This is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 69, Our Six Human Needs. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome if you are new, and thanks for listening if you are someone who has been continuously listening. Today, I want to talk to you about the six human needs. Now, Anthony Robbins, he can probably be considered one of the first life coaches around, and he certainly was a pioneer in the area of self-development. He's got so much wisdom that he has offered over the years, and I also know he's not for everyone. And that in itself is an important lesson, that everyone is not for everyone, and that is okay. So you can take what you want from this podcast. But he expanded on a concept that I wanted to share with you today. And it's funny because as I was preparing this episode, my daughter-in-law was at a business retreat and she shared with me that one of the exercises they did focused around this same Tony Robbins tool. So I'm taking that as a sign that we're right in sync. This is a perfect time for me to share this and hopefully that it resonates with some of you. I often pick topics and I'll be preparing for them. Then out of the blue, another topic will come up and I'll be feeling inspired to work on that one instead. I like to think that in some ways I am being inspired to share things with a particular listener that needs to hear it. So whoever you are, I hope this resonates with you. Of course, sometimes I think that I'm the one that this topic is meant for too. So at any rate, I want to talk to you today about the six human needs. Robbins looks at it in terms of an explanation as to why we do the things that we do. We make decisions about our life based on these six needs. If we're human, then we're driven by these needs. And understanding these needs will help you build awareness about yourself, what motivates you, and what terrifies you. Now, I say he expanded on the concept because Robbins really wasn't the first one to look at basic needs. If you've ever taken any psychology course, then you'll probably be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's a theory of motivation with states that there are five categories of human needs that dictate an individual's behavior. Maslow's theory suggests that those needs are physiological needs, safety needs, love and belonging needs, esteem needs, and self-actualization needs. So today I'm going to share with you Robin's variation of Maslow's hierarchy, and I think it's a great tool for us to be familiar with. So do you know why you do what you do? Why you make the decisions that you do, why you act in certain ways? Now, you may have an inkling, but for most of us, we aren't really very aware because we often just act on our subconscious thoughts and feelings. So we may truly feel like sometimes we have no clue why we do the things that we do. But Robin says, well, we do these things based on six driving forces. And the first one that he talks about is certainty. This is probably the most common answer. Our brain wants to feel certain. Certainty to our brain is the way we can avoid pain and seek pleasure. 
which, as you recall, they're the primary motivation of our survival brain. Avoid pain, seek pleasure, do what's easy. So our brain wants certainty for even the most basic everyday things. Our brain does not like being in the in-between. It doesn't do well in limbo. How many times have you needed to make a decision and you just want to make it, you just have to make it? Or something is unknown and you say, I don't care, and it's a bad outcome, at least I know for sure, and then I know what I have to deal with. So sometimes we're like, I don't know, I just want to know something. Just give me something that I have to deal with. So you may just want to know, like, did I get the job or not? Is there a diagnosis or not? Will they say yes to me or not? When we feel like we're in limbo or things are up in the air, it feels like we can't do anything. We can't even think straight. We can't think clearly. We can't function in a world of uncertainty. And if we have too much uncertainty, then we start to live in fear, like fear of the unknown. And our brain is not designed to handle great levels of uncertainty. It's too stressful. So a person will go to great and desperate lengths to obtain certainty in life. We want to feel safe. We want to feel secure and comfortable and maintain some sense of control. So we all try to go after certainty. And because we're all individuals, we do this in different ways. Now, some of us will try to do it by controlling as much as we can control. Some of us will try to drop expectations of everything so that there's nothing to be disappointed in. And some people gain their certainty through what they believe, like what their faith is. But life is very uncertain. And how well we handle uncertainty will actually impact our quality of life. The more flexible we can be, the more we can tolerate the discomfort of being uncertain, the better off we're going to be. So some things to consider, I want you to think about how do you try to meet your need for certainty? How do you feel safe? How do you feel secure? Do you try to control things? Do you try to stay in your comfort zone? Do you find certainty in your beliefs? When you feel uncertain, how do you react? What do you do? Do you resist change? So ask yourself these questions to get a feel for where you lie with this need for certainty. Now, the second need that we all have is variety. And this need is in direct contrast for the need for certainty, the need for variety. We want to be certain about things, but what happens when everything feels too predictable or too safe or too secure or too comfortable? We get bored. And when we get bored, we crave getting out of our comfort zone. We want adventure. We want different. We want surprise and spontaneity. We want to feel alive and excited and creative. We crave different and we crave variety. They even say variety is the spice of life. We like bland and predictable, and then we want to go and spice things up. And again, variety is going to look different for each of us. For some people, it's going to be like an extreme adventure. For other people, it's just going to be a new restaurant. For some, it's like the high they get from an activity or from a substance. For others, it's just simply a change of style. So the need for variety is also really diverse. We all have different requirements and different tolerance levels. For some people, it's a surprise. And for other people, it can be a risk that they're going to take. We often want to interrupt our predictable pattern because we want to alleviate boredom. We want to help get us unstuck when things are too certain. We will get stuck. So we want to inject a jolt of variety in there to get out of the rut. So both certainty and variety, they're kind of opposing forces, but we need to embrace both. 
Now, the third need that we want to fill is significance. We all want to feel important, unique, special. We want to be the most important person in the room. We want to make a difference in the world. We want to stand out in some way. And we'll do this sometimes in very productive and powerful, helpful ways. And other times we may do it in destructive, unfortunate ways. Sometimes we even want to isolate ourselves in order to try to stand out. So what do you do to try to stand out? Do you try to work harder than others? Do you try to outsmart people? Do you try to be funnier, more successful? Do you try to stand out by the way you're dressing? Do you try to shock people? Do you stick to certain brands or luxuries or do you deliberately turn from certain brands or luxuries? So how do you make yourself indispensable? Do you need to be needed? Are you the friend that everyone turns to in a crisis? Or are you the friend that everyone turns to for a good time? We may compete with each other and this can start in our families, competing with family members or siblings for attention, to be noticed, to stand out, to get more attention. Do you tie your significance to your self-esteem? Do you constantly compare yourself to try to be more significant? Do you tie your worthiness to your significance? Do you feel better when other people validate you? Do you need validation? I mean, it's nice to be validated, but do you need it to feel significant? Can you self-validate and feel significant? How do you feel your need to be significant? Is it a healthy way? Do you help others feel significant? How does this need impact your relationships? So I've just thrown a lot of questions at you. Those are questions that I want you to ponder and think about because the answers to those questions are how you are feeling your need to be significant. Now, the next need is love and connection. Our desire to be significant can actually often place us in competition with each other. We want to stand out. We want to be different, but the need for love and connection brings us back together. We are hardwired for connection. When we experience stress, the brain releases oxytocin, as we've talked about on the podcast before. And oxytocin is a neurochemical that is released and makes us crave connection. And that can be a really great thing. But there are different ways to feel connected. We can feel connected through friendship or community or passions. We can be connected through common interests, values, or beliefs. We can be connected through intimacy. And that intimacy can involve love or lust and different levels of connection. We can be connected through meditation or prayer. We can be connected through extreme ways as well. People will join gangs, get in bad peer groups, or even in abusive relationships because they feel connected in those environments. Now, Brene Brown talks about people bonding over criticizing others. She calls it common enemy intimacy. It's where you connect over your dislike or distaste of someone else. Maybe it's something they've done or said that you both share a common dislike of. Maybe you bond over gossiping about someone. So you form a connection that way, but that connection needs to continue to be fed that way too. Now, sometimes we try to connect with people by sharing our victim story. It can be really helpful initially, but it can keep us stuck. We sometimes downplay things in order to connect with others to try to make them feel better. So we try to connect with people any way we can to fill that connection need, but the best kind of connection is when we have true love. 
the authentic love, when we can be who we are and truly be accepted. We can show up as we are. We are loved for who we are now. What do you do to feel love and connection? Is it by giving, receiving, or both? What does love and connection look like in your life? Do you connect with others on the regular? Is it a healthy connection? Are you authentically you? Are you allowing others to be authentic as well? How can you improve your fulfillment of love and connection in healthy ways moving forward? So love and connection is also such an important need. Now, the fifth need that we want to fill is growth. So the first four needs are kind of essential. You want these needs to be filled. They are imperative really for your survival. But the next two needs that I'm going to talk about are not imperative for surviving, but they are the way, the key that you will lead a fulfilled life. They are the needs that your inner you has. They're really, they come from your soul's desire. And these last two needs are the need for growth and the need for contribution. Now you can move forward or backward, but you can really never stay in the same spot. They say you are either growing or dying. In all areas of your life, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, these things touch your personal life as well as your relationships. Growth is what contributes to your quality of life. But growth is a journey. It's not a final destination. We likely will never stop growing, and that is such a great thing. What are you doing to grow? How are you pushing yourself? How are you challenging your intellect, your physical strength, your emotional strength? How are you contributing to other people's growth? In order to grow, we have to have a lot of self-compassion because as we grow, we will likely have success and failure. So with growth comes a level of acceptance that we must have and resilience Because growth usually requires us to step out of our comfort zone, and that can mean some painful times. Growth happens when we learn how to bounce back and even bounce forward, how we embrace change and adversity, how we accept and learn from failure, how we are patient with the amount of time that changes take, and that we trust the process of growth and allow it to unfold in the time that it takes. So what are you doing to grow? How are you embracing change? Are you stepping out of your comfort zone? And what do you make failure mean? In my opinion, failure is just learning. And lastly, that last need is contribution. What gives your life meaning? What are you giving beyond yourself? How are you contributing to the common humanity? How are you contributing to the lives of those around you, to your partner, your children, your colleagues, your neighbors, just complete strangers? Do you contribute to a cause outside of you? Do you do things without any personal gain attached to it? Do you do it for the sake of just contributing, giving, and offering? There are so many different ways that we can contribute. We can contribute in time and money and talents, and it all counts. I like to think of contribution as being, what is a legacy that you will leave behind? What mark will you leave in this world? What service do you offer? What will be missed that you have given? And contribution is not just about doing, it's about being. 
who we are. Not just what you do, it's about being who you are. Do you feel like you're contributing? Who are you serving and how? What is the legacy that you are trying to create? So those are the six human needs. Certainty, variety, significance, love and connection, growth, and contribution. Now, at different times of our life, we may value different needs for different reasons, but in the end, we do need to fulfill all of them. So I want you to take an inventory of your life. What are you doing to meet each of those needs? Are you lacking in a certain area? What can you do to fulfill that need? And once again, we want to do this in the most kind, loving, self-compassionate, non-judgmental way. We are not doing this inventory to see if we're good or bad. We're doing this to build awareness. If we feel a lack in our life, we are evaluating where might the missing pieces be. So we know where we get curious, put a bit more focus on and get playful and try new things. Get curious, stay compassionate and seek to balance and honor these needs so you can lead a fulfilling life. That's what I have for you today. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.